0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message.
1: Praise God. First Samuel chapter 16. I'm here today to do exactly what Brother Jones gave you the hopes that I might do. I'm here to lend you a a message of encouragement. He said, if you're looking for encouragement today, maybe Brother Rice will bail you out later. I leaned over and showed my wife something I wrote down right at the top of my notes here this morning. And it just said, sometimes we just need encouragement. (laughs) Um, The beautiful thing is, is that his message was just as important as this one was. And they, they kind of overlap and they work together in harmony, as he was speaking about. You know, Paul was. I've I've talked a lot, preached a lot about Paul to Timothy. I've preached a lot out of Timothy, first and second Timothy here lately. Paul, he's writing to Timothy and he tells Timothy, he says, Repu- reprove, rebuke. We're really good at that. Sometimes we we get a lot of reproving and a lot of rebuking. You know, reprimanding and and uh, disapproving nods and wagging fingers and stuff, and, and that's part of it. That that we need direction, correction, all those things. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. He said there's a time for that. You you get into that, but he said don't forget, it's not just for correction and not just for direction. It's not just to reprimand people and try to keep them. But it is all for all, also to exhort. The Word of God is, is, is to correct us and direct us, is to reprimand us. I'm thankful that I have, I'm thankful we have the Word of God to, to give us those boundaries as we talked about last week kind to kind of give us correction and direction when we need it in our life. But I'm also grateful today to be able to stand before you and tell you that the word of God is not just about reprimanding not just about rebuke, it's about encouragement. It's about encouragement and I have found in my life and in my ministry that I have gotten more response, positive response out of encouragement than I than I have reprimand and rebuke. There's a place for it, sometimes it's necessary, it's necessary for me, it's sometimes necessary for you but I believe that people respond so much better from encouragement. First Samuel 16, and the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I've provided me a king among his sons. God said, how long, Samuel, are you going to sit here and wait? How long are you going to complain over something that's not going to change? Saul is not going to repent. Move on. One of the worst things that we can ever possibly do is fight against somebody that refuses to change. Sometimes you just have to say, God, I just need to... I just need to keep moving forward here. I cannot allow God's will to be stymied by somebody who does not want to be in God's will. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul heard, he'll kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with thee and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Call Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what you should do. Thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? you got to understand something about the prophets of those days. (laughs) They could bring with them a bloodbath. They did not come in peace the Lord told them to wipe out a city or wipe out, take care of business. That's what he did, and so it scared them. And they said, are you here peaceably? And he said, I am. Peaceably, I've come to sacrifice unto the Lord, so sanctify yourselves. Come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. I just want to preach to you a message that I've entitled, A King Among Sons king among sons. You may be seated today. Thank you for standing so long. It's good to see a very full house here today, even with those that are out sick and uh, with other things going on. I ask for your prayers for me. I, I feel feel pretty good. I just I have a little, little chest congestion that I'm dealing with, so if I have to stop a time or two and clear that, just forgive me and help me preach today if you would. The king among you, the king among you. Uh, I, I think about Jesse and his sons that were there that day, what Samuel must have thought, what Samuel must have seen, and what Samuel, you know, probably uh, expected to take place. However, it didn't go that way. You know, uh, there, there are times, I think, in most of our lives, I mean, unless you are, uh, really have, a large ego, but I, I would assume that here today that most everybody sitting here is somewhat like me. You've gone through times in your life where you felt inadequate or underqualified to do what God maybe has called you to do, or maybe it had nothing to do with the calling that God had on your life, maybe just underqualified for a, a job, or you thought to yourself, I'm not smart enough, or I'm not talented enough. Or, uh, I believe that probably most of us have found ourselves sitting around at one point in life, thinking those things where something was kind of being brought before us, presented to us. There was an opportunity, but but we undervalued ourselves. We could not see the value within us, and therefore, oftentimes because of that, a lot of opportunities will slip past. I, I've watched some of you this past year here recently step up to job opportunities that, that you knew were going to be challenging and you faced the challenge and you, you've had, to, you've had some, some long days and, and you've, you've really had some tough days that you've had to uh, deal with, uh, but at the end of the day, you've stuck in with it and, and you're making a change and you're making a difference. I love to see people of God, the people of God step up to the challenge knowing that God can make up the difference. Hear me today. If you're doing what God has called you to do, God can make up the difference. If there's one thing that social media has brought uh, into most of all of our lives, it, it is every critic has a keyboard, and they're able to to, to to criticize whatever you might do, and it really doesn't matter what it is. I've seen some ridiculous things. I I, I happened to open up uh, social media this morning just for a few moments, and and I looked, and somebody had posted something on there about looking for a car, and they named the price that they were looking for, and I thought, here we go, because I just know how things go, but I don't know even who this person was that was looking for the car, but I thought, well, they don't have much money to spend on a car. It's not like they're going to run down to the local dealership and say, hey, sign me up. They only had a limited amount of resources, but but I immediately thought that, boy, they're going to get razzed over this when I began to open it up and look at all the different comments and and people that did not even probably know who they were were giving them a hard time <coughs> about the request that they had made. And I thought, what 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 point is it? What, what difference does it make to you? Why do you have to criticize? But that's the world in which we live today. Every critic has a keyboard, and so every. Critic now has a voice. It's easy when you put yourself out there to set yourself up to be criticized. As The people of God, we already know that, that we're not always going to be looked at the same way as everybody else is looked at. We dress differently. We act differently. We we live differently. We live a godly life in an ungodly world. We're pilgrims and we're strangers. We're foreigners in a, a land that we don't belong. Our home is not here We're looking for a place that is beyond the troubles and the pains of this world. For God has gone to prepare a place for us that where he is, we might be also. And I'm looking forward to that that day. So I'm not so worried about fitting into a place that I don't really intend on staying. I'm not worried about impressing people. For the most part, I may one day leave behind. I can remember several years ago, my son
0: called and he asked me
1: some advice about an interview that he was going to go to. He had some inside information uh, that that let him know He said, "Dad, he said the thing about this he said i'm going to go to this this interview and he said i'm no I, I'm going to it knowing that i." Of all the candidates, I think there were five candidates, he said, I am the least qualified for this job. I'm the least qualified. So he called me, he said, should I even, should I even attempt? You, you see, he saw himself differently than I saw him as his father. Sometimes we, we have a, a tough time looking down inside and pulling out anything that we see of, of value. We don't really understand that, that there's more to what's going on on the inside of us that, than we realize. And so sometimes it takes an outside voice to begin to speak words of life into in, in somebody. Me being his father, I sat him down and I began to speak to him and I said, listen to me, son. There's more going on inside of you. There's more to you than what you realize. You have more to offer than you have an understanding or the ability to understand. You walk into that room and don't you walk in with your head held low, head held high. You walk in, you walk in with your head held low. I had it right the first time. Don't you walk in there all down like you're the last one that should be accepted for the that job? I said you walk into that place and you walk into there knowing and understanding that anything is possible because God has created you to do great and mighty things. And guess who got the job? That's right. <coughs> If God wants to elevate you, there is no man that can suppress you. And I want to say that to you one more time. Get yourself into the perfect will of God for your life because you serve a God that wants to lift you up, not press you down. You serve a God that wants to elevate you into a high place. And so if God chooses to elevate you, nobody can suppress you.
0: As a pastor,
1: I have many roles. It's my opinion that one of the greatest things that I can ever do for people that God has given me the honor to shepherd is to help you to believe that there's nothing that you and God cannot accomplish together. I think oftentimes we walk in with
0: a mindset that's
1: very low on the scale of faith. Sometimes we simply need to be reminded that there is something within us that is greater than ourselves. Sometimes we need to be reminded that when we speak to God, it's not like speaking to each other. It's not like having a conversation with a coworker about the day uh, that you're going to have at work. But when we speak to God, mountains can be moved. Amen. Mountains in your life can be removed, and God can. Step in and God can show out what he is capable of doing in your life. I'm tired of a church that feels suppressed by the world. Amen. God has put us here as a light and we are not going to hide in some dark corner somewhere. But this church of the living God is going to step forward into the light that God has called us into. Every one of you have something that's within you that is great, something that's powerful, unrealized potential
0: that's dwelling within you.
1: And remember Brother Timmy, he always had these sayings. One of the sayings that he said that stuck with me, he said, I'd rather cool down a zealot than wake the dead any day. I'd rather rather take a church that's a little bit too excitable and say, okay, folks, let's uh, let's not tear anything up in our worship. Uh, Be careful. There is a bass player over here in the corner. We do not want to mow him down. He's important to us. Don't rip the... Don't rip the lights off the walls or anything. I'd rather cool down a zealot than try to wake a dead, dull church any any day. Amen. I want a church that's alive. I want a church that's full of the Spirit of God and led by the Spirit of God. First king of Israel, Saul, he made several mistakes, but his worst mistake was when he turned from the Lord and refused to obey God's commands, because of that, he was rejected by the Lord as the king of Israel. God would have established him, established his family. Saul had to do it his way. So God asked Samuel, the prophet, go to Bethlehem. He called for Jesse to bring his sons to a public sacrifice for the Lord. At the time of the sacrifice, the Lord would reveal to Samuel which one of Jesse's sons would be the next king. Had to be a very exciting time. (coughs) We're about ready to move forward. We're about ready to, to fix some things. So Jesse brings seven of his sons to the sacrifice, but he leaves his youngest son tending to the sheep at home. David was so young, so underdeveloped that His father did not even consider bringing him before the prophet. I think in Jesse's mind, he was thinking, I'm going to take everybody that's eligible, everybody that that would make a good king, but it can't be David. David's too young. David's not full of understanding yet. In Jesse's mind, David was not a proper candidate for king. For king, he was still just a kid. But beating inside of that young man's chest as he sat out there and he watched over his father's flocks was not the heart of a kid but the heart of a king. God saw beyond the outward man. God looked down inside of the heart of a man. God began to see what was going on inside of that man's mind, that young boy. And all the sons of Jesse, they were all young. They were all still living at home, I I would imagine. By the way, the the Bible reads, they were all there with Jesse, and he brings them, and they were all young, and all of his sons, and God says, out of all these sons, I'm going to choose a king.
0: It's time for decision, Samuel. It's
1: time for decision, Jesse. So the sons lined up before Samuel. Samuel calls the eldest out, Eliab. The Bible says that Samuel took one look at him and thought, this is the one. (laughs) Stately. Built well.
0: Handsome. He'll make a fine king. He's regal. Samuel thought, this is going to be easy.
1: The first one that steps up, Looks like, to me, he would be perfect. He's going to fit the category of king rather well. Tall and handsome, natural leader, but God told Samuel, no. He's not the one. One by one, Samuel calls each son of Jesse forward, and each time Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen these. Now what do we do? You know, Samuel's like, "Have I missed this? I'm sure. But I heard. I I know what God's voice sounds like. I I know what God wanted. How how could we have missed it by this much?" He said, Are "These all the sons you have. I mean, if somebody came knocking at your door and they they were gonna they were gonna choose, you know, they, Easton ten or eleven years old. I mean, you know, smart kid makes good grades. I, Bennett, man, he's firing right up there and witty and smart and and, and they're both handsome boys. And Reddick, he's he's just, he's a little too young yet, right? And somebody said, we're going to make one of these three boys king. I mean, typically, you might not even brought him out. You might have been just like Jesse.
0: Says all the sons that you
1: have, Jesse. So there's still one more. He's my youngest. He's out in the fields tending the sheep and the goats. Samuel said, Samuel said go get him. I'm not even going to sit down until he arrives. For Samuel 16, 12 says, he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of the beautiful countenance, goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise anointed him, for this is he. (coughs) Samuel wasted no time. He took the horn of the oil and anointed him right there in front of all of his brothers. The spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward, the Bible says. And history will tell us that David went on to become one of the greatest kings that Israel ever had, if not the greatest king. Not really sure what happened to David's seven brothers. We only hear of them one more time during the story of Goliath. And the next time we hear of them, we see that they're hiding behind rocks as their youngest brother, David, walks out on the battlefield
0: by himself. There's
1: one thing I can tell you about Reddick's two older brothers is they're not going to let him go anywhere by himself. If it looks like trouble, they're going to protect him. They're they're already like that. They're going they're watch out for that little boy. And thank God some, you know, he needs watching after sometimes, right? No telling where you're going to find him. He's learned how to how to get the doors open now. So we got to make sure we got all the doors locked. He's not quite figured out how to unlock him yet, but that's probably next. But David did not have brothers that. He stepped out on the battlefield. They're like, you're on your own, man.
0: Good luck to you. Probably thinking that that's going to be the last time they see him.
1: Something had happened when David received that this is he moment. Samuel takes the oil. He looks at David. He said, this is he. You need to understand today that God has chosen you. You are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. You have been chosen and you have been anointed. You have had your own personal this is he, this is she moment. God has placed something inside of each and every one of us today. Something so powerful, something so revolutionary, amen. Something so great, something so mighty. There is a power living within each and every one of you that allows you to step out onto a battlefield against enemies that are much greater than you in size and number and strength. And yet, when you walk off of that battlefield, you don't walk off defeated. You walk off a victor. There is victory in this place, but I've got to help you understand that you have had a moment when Jesus Christ came into your life where he said, this is he, this is she, they are my people. Somebody needs to comprehend that this morning. You have something great inside of you. There is a presence of the king that dwells on the inside of every single Holy Ghost-filled child of God in this place.
0: What would have happened
1: with David had Samuel not spoken those words? I have to wonder if he would have ever left the pasture. Would he have ever conquered the giant? Would he have ever sat on the throne?
0: Probably not. But because somebody spoke words into his life, David had an incredible impact upon millions
1: of people because somebody believed in him enough to pour an anointing upon him. Speak words that God told them to speak. I've just come today. for music would come. I've just come today to try to encourage you because I know how easy it is to fall into the trap of discouragement when the troubles and the pressures of everyday life begin to grind away at your soul. You get up and you clock in and you clock out and you come home and and the bills are laid out before you and the problems are laid out before you and your health begins to fail. or Something happens with a family member, a multitude and a myriad of things. I could go on and on and on, but I don't need to because you already know you already understand the pressures that I'm
0: talking about. You relate to them. When you find yourself there, understand this.
1: You've been chosen as a king from the sons. Your neighbor may not be a king. Your co-worker may not be a chosen one. But God chose you, and he chose well. Would you stand with me today?
0: Listen, inside of every one of us,
1: there's a spirit of a son. There's a spirit of a king. A spirit of a kid and a spirit of a king. Hear me. Listen to me. Get this right here. The one that will survive is the one that is spoken to. I look out this morning, I see wonderful people, I see your children. Some of them growing up very rapidly. I watched the worship on this front row. Some of these kids just recently receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Some still seeking. What these guys are growing up is not the same world in which I grew up. And you grew up. Brother Warren, I look at you and your family, and I I see a miracle walking. How God has taken somebody from such a life of chaos and confusion, where most people would have written them off and said, this doesn't stand a chance, and the statistics would tell you the same. And yet you look at this family today. Children serving the Lord. Loving family. Faithful to the house of God. Feeling called into ministry. God using them. I'm telling you, if anybody should be locked up in jail just because of the road that they were on, Probably Terry Warren. The path that he was on was, was leading in that direction. There were two voices, two choices a son of the world, or allow the voice of the king to begin to work in his life. Somewhere along the line, somebody spoke some encouraging words. Hey, there's a better way. There's somebody that loves you. There's somebody that sacrificed for you. There's a thing called the Holy Ghost. There's, There's a thing called being baptized in Jesus' name where, get this, all of your sins can be washed away. To have sins washed away now that's royalty right there. It's something only the king can do. We're no different than the sons of Jesse today, no different than the 12 disciples, no different than the men and women that we read and teach and talk about that we in the word of God. The enemy wants to keep you believing that you're only good enough to tend to sheep, but I want you to know that God wants some of you to lead his people. God has places of authority and power and anointing. Would you bow your heads today? I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I got two pages of notes left here. I'm, I'm done for the day. I feel the Lord is drawing this to a close. I I want to give you time to come to this altar. If you need the Holy Ghost, if you've been seeking, you've been frustrated, maybe you've even begun to doubt, will it ever happen? It will happen, and I'll tell you why. Because the Word of God tells us it is a promise that's for you. Don't listen to the voice that says, get back out in that pasture. Into those sheep when there's another voice that's calling you and saying, I'm not even going to sit down until you get here. Come on, the Lord is calling today. Maybe you're in a place of brokenness right now. Maybe you're in a place of confusion. Your way out is not through a bottle, not through a needle, not through some illicit activity, not through trying to do things that would please your own flesh, your way out is through Jesus Christ. He is the door today. He's come to this place. He's given you two messages today, two messages that are pleading with you. If you need his help, he is here. I want them to begin to sing.